0: morning it's good to see everybody this morning it's a lot warmer in here than it is outside I'm thankful for that I don't know what the weather's like back in Northwest Arkansas but I guess we'll find out tonight when we fly in I think we land around 1030 tonight Uh, so uh, I hope it's like 60 or 70 that's probably wishful thinking uh, but that would be that would be wonderful But uh, before we get rolling here this morning, let me first thank uh, your pastor, Dr. James Taylor, uh, and his awesome wife, Kara, for having Jackie and I this weekend, for allowing us to be a part of this marriage enrichment weekend, and uh, giving us the opportunity to pour into marriages. Um, But I can say this, you all have been a blessing to us. Uh, I can only hope that we've been a blessing to you, but... Without a doubt, you all have been a blessing to us. You have prayed for us privately. You have prayed for us publicly. Uh, Yesterday, as we ended our time together, uh, the group that was with us uh, surrounded Jackie and I, laid hands on us and prayed over us uh, for lots of different reasons. But as as we spent the weekend together, we, we shared our story. We shared our testimony. And part of our testimony is we adopted a little boy from Ethiopia when he was eight months old, and he's nine now. And uh, we didn't know it when we adopted him, but the Lord gave us the gift of autism. So Miles is low-functioning, autistic. Uh, He has other intellectual disorders, all kinds of other special needs. Uh, But we kind of wove that all throughout our weekend together uh, because that has shaped us probably more than anything in our lives. Uh, We say it this way. Well, first of all, Jackie says this, I would never want to be the me before Miles. Miles is our little boy. Uh, so Jackie says, I would never want to be the me before Miles. But we, all, we also say this, Miles was the gift we didn't know to ask for. Uh, and probably all of us would say that about all of our children. We, ha- we, have, another, we have another child that's 19 years old um, that is a freshman at the University of Arkansas. And uh, he's been a gift as well, I guess. Uh, I'm kind of kidding. He really is a joy. Uh, He was easy. He made life easy. He made us look like we knew what we were doing. We had no clue. Uh, Miles is the opposite. He lets everybody know they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, But God knew what he was doing. And again, uh, Miles has grown our prayer life. He has grown our faith. Um, He has reminded us, even as Nick did this morning, that God is very, very good, that God is faithful even when we're not, and we can trust him when we can't trust anything else. And uh, so thank you all again for loving us well as we've been with you this weekend, uh, for encouraging us and for praying for us. And like I said, I can only hope that we have done that for you. We are looking forward to the end of this time together so that we can get into that small group time that we talked about, right? Sunday school, small group, what do y'all, is that what y'all call it here, small group? Because I still call it, we call it small group at our church too, but I'm always like, Sunday school, people are like, they're like, don't, and they're like, hey, and they're like, don't, all of the younger ones are like, don't you mean small group? And all the older ones are like, amen. <laughs> so, uh, I love that, and I guess at 44 I'm an old one, so uh, it's whatever you, here's the deal, as long as the name of Jesus is being lifted high and we're studying the word of God, call it whatever you want, but I am looking forward to that time together, not because we're going to be talking about parenting, although we are, uh, but yesterday we kind of ended our time together talking about sex for like three minutes, I mean it was, you know, we didn't give it hardly any time at all. And, uh, and I sold the group yesterday, I said, okay, listen, if we can get through that parenting stuff real quick, we'll spend, we'll spend the, re- the, the last part of that time together talking about sex. And they were all like, all right, man, They're Like, kids are a blessing from the Lord. Okay, now get to that other part. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> let's just get on with it. So we'll see. We'll see how far we get with that. Uh, so some of the ones who were planning, James, some of the ones that were planning on skipping that time together are now like, oh, I'm staying in here now. Uh, so... We'll let Jackie preach at you during that, but Jackie's been been very very good this weekend too, uh, as she has poured in to the marriages. But what I want us to do today is um, look at Colossians chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Colossians chapter three, and I want us to read this through the lens of marriage. Um, I understand that is not necessarily. Uh, when it was written, what it was written for. But I think it's okay when we're reading scripture, depending on what we're going through, maybe in that season of life, uh, what God is doing in us, showing us, teaching us. Maybe you're moving into a new career path. Maybe you've had kids for the very first time. Maybe you've had grandchildren for the very first time. Uh, I don't think that Jesus has a problem with us putting on different lenses as we read the scripture. For instance, if you're in this room today and you're a boss, you're a supervisor, people work for you, I think it's okay as you're reading passages of scripture like this to say, how should this help shape me as a boss? Um, if you're just getting started in the business world and you're like, I'm far from being the boss, I'm on the bottom of the totem pole, well, what what does this mean for for you as we read through and see what God has to say to us this morning? But Today, I'm going to ask that we read it through the lens of marriage and how this would affect our marriage relationship. And again, I understand that maybe not everybody in this room is married, but maybe you will be one day, or you're going to know people who are. And uh, so all of us can be an encouragement to others. All of us can point people to the Word of God and uh, help others in this marriage journey. So let's read it together, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 19 specifically, And uh, we may go beyond that depending on time. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, where he is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. That is great news for all of us. Amen. Verse 5, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. But what's it dead to? Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Or maybe your translation this morning says, put them off or take them off. Well, what are we supposed to put off? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, which comes from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and put on the new self. So we've been told to take some things off. Now we're going to be told to put some things on. Put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man. But Christ is all and in all. Verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here's verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Verse 18, wives, be subject to your husbands. Maybe your translation this morning says, serve or respect your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And then verse 19, husbands, Love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Your translation may say, be gentle towards them. Well, specifically, verses 18 and 19 sound a whole lot to me like Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, which we looked at several times throughout our time together this weekend. Um, This idea of the wives um, submitting or serving or respecting their husbands, and um, husbands loving their wives. Now, I don't want to quickly brush over that because I understand that not everybody was with us on Friday and Saturday, Um, but here's kind of how we broke that down. Um, As your husband submits to the Lord, wives, that should make it fairly easy for you to submit to your husband. But if that doesn't make it easy enough, as your husband loves you, like Christ loved the church, and that is a perfect love. And I, I don't think any ladies in here would be like, like, my husband is perfect in the way that he loves me, but that's the goal. If, if, if the men in the room, if the husbands in the room are striving to love our wives the way Christ loved the church, meaning sacrificing anything and everything, even being willing to lay down our lives and even give up certain things for our wives, then it makes it easier as well. For the wives to respect and serve their husbands. I want us to break this down real quick uh, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it. But just, just briefly, I want us to talk through these sections of scripture that we just read. So, in verses one through four, if you still have it open, you'll see kind of this theme of seeking the heavenly. In our marriage, I want to I challenge us this morning to seek the heavenly. And again, this weekend, we talked about although we are doing marriage, we're doing marriage life here on earth. I don't think any of us would argue that. God calls us to do it in the heavenlies. Um, When we're praying with our spouse, praying for our spouse, um, as we're growing in our walk with the Lord, we're doing marriage in the heavenlies. But but here's even a, a more simple way to think of it. When you go back to the beginning there where it says, um, set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. What if we did that in our marriage? What if we set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth? Or the passage of scripture that tells us that we are in this world, but not what? Not of this world, right? Well, that's that's a pretty kind of huge thought. Uh, We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And what is that supposed to look like? Again, as I've put this through the filter of my marriage relationship, I just try to remind myself that although Jackie and I are living on earth and we have a home in Springdale, Arkansas, and we're on staff at a church called Cross Church, um, we're called to be in the world but not of it. And when the world looks at our marriage, I hope that they see something different. I hope that even if they can't explain it, maybe they're not believers, maybe they wouldn't know how to articulate it, but I would hope that they would look at it and say something is different about them. The way she treats him is different than any other wife that I know. The way that he treats her is different than any other husband that I know. And I I think that's what the encouragement is here. I think that's what the challenge is here. But if you drop down to verses 5 through 9, the overarching theme that we see there is slay the earthly. So seek the heavenly, slay the earthly. We're told to put off some things in that section of Scripture. And I want us to, to just quickly look at these things again. And I wish we had time because we would actually put definition to each one of these. Because I think a lot of times we read passages of Scripture like this that has a list. And uh, we kind of know what the words mean. But we may not know really what each one of those words mean. But I promise we're not going to do that um, But I would challenge you, if if there's some of these words that you don't really know what they mean, uh, today grab a Bible dictionary, grab a dictionary, and just see kind of like, what do these words actually mean and how would that play out in my marriage? So here's some of the things we're told to put off. Immorality. Impurity. Evil desires. Greed. Idolatry. Anger. Wrath. Malice, slander, abusive speech, lies, and evil practices. Now, do you think, here's the question, do you think that if each one of us, every wife in the room and every husband in the room, if we did nothing else but we began to focus on putting those things off, would it make a difference in your marriage? I mean, yeah, there's no doubt if we... If we didn't do anything else, and I'm going to challenge you to do a whole lot more, and I've challenged all weekend to do a whole lot more, but if we just did that, it would change our marriage. I mean, mean, there's just no doubt. I don't even think you could argue it because, I mean, just think about if we just got rid of the abuse of speech. Like if we just started to talk to each other the way that God wants us to talk to each other and got rid of anger and greed, it, it would make a massive, massive difference. One of the breakout sessions that um, we had yesterday at the, Mar- at the Marriage Enrichment Weekend was Marriage Killers. When I read through that list, that's what I see, Marriage Killers. And I know that there was a list in that breakout that may look different than that, but again, I know that those who led that breakout would say those could be on the list. Anything that is not of the Lord could be on that list. Anything that drives a wedge in between you and your spouse could be on that list. So I look at those as marriage killers. But we're also told in this passage of Scripture in verses 10 through 15, that other, that next section, uh, section, section, thank you, is to put on some things. And here's what we're told to put on a new self, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Then we're told, to be bearing with one another and forgiving each other. And then I love this. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is called the unifier. It will unite. So you want to be united to your spouse? You want to be united to your husband, to your wife? Put on love. Now, these are things I don't think we can manipulate. I don't, I don't think that we can manipulate the situation and be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conjure these things up within myself. I, I'm going to work real hard. I'm going to try real hard to be more kind. I'm going to try real hard to be more humble. I'm going to put on a new self. I'm going to be patient. Um, I think you can work at them. But as, I, as I've really studied this over the last month and even beyond, these, these are things that only the Holy Spirit can do in you, which is why some of those are fruits of the Spirit that list looks a whole lot like the fruits of the Spirit because those are things that the Spirit does in us. And the reason I say I don't think that you can fake it, I don't think that you can manipulate it, I don't think that you can work hard uh, to build it up within yourself, I think it's a gift from God when those things begin to happen in us after salvation is because I believe that motive does matter. So if your motive is to change your spouse, to get them to do what you want them to do, be what you want them to be, um, it may never happen. Because I do believe motive matters. I worked for a pastor one time uh, who would always say low motive is better than no motive. Uh, And that's probably true. I mean, at least you got some motive. Um, And he said at least, uh, even if it's low motive, it's motive. But I think this, I think that heart matters. I think that motive matters, but I also think that heart matters. Your heart in the situation. What the desire of your heart is. And I believe when our desires line up with God's desires, He does give us the desires of our heart. We're told to put on a new self. Allow our minds to be uh, renewed. And then when we do all of this, verse 15, the peace of Christ should rule in our hearts. And the word of Christ should dwell within us. That's verse 16. And then again, I love verse 17. I challenge men with this verse all the time. And whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord, including your marriage. So at at your job, do it all in the name of the Lord. Whatever your hobbies are, do them all in the name of the Lord. You coach little league team, soccer team, basketball team, kind of being part of your kids' lives as they're growing up, which puts you around a whole bunch of other kids and a whole bunch of other families. Do it all in the name of the Lord, believing that people will see that you're different than everybody else and the difference is Jesus in us. So if you want a great marriage, just do those things. Put off the things that this passage of Scripture says to put off and put on the things that it says to put on. And that brings us to the last section there. And remember in verses 18 and 19, husbands love your wives and be gentle with them. And wives love and serve and respect your husband. As I studied um, Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 through 33 getting ready for this weekend, um, I realized real quickly that this is actually a military vocabulary. Uh, it's to arrange in rank. It's to arrange under rank. It's not that one is better than the other. It's leadership. It's not slavery. It's surrender and service. And mutual submission to Christ and to each other is what it's really talking about here. Um, and Jackie does this as well or better than anybody that I know. Um, this willingness to put herself under, um, to trust that God didn't mess up and he didn't say oops when he designed it this way. And I'm going to show everybody that's here today kind of how Jackie illustrated it this weekend. She just believes that when the wife willingly... Now again, the burden is on the husband. I want to go on record. The burden is on the husband to love your wives like Christ loved the church. We can't get away from that. So as we're doing that, as we're loving our wives with a perfect love, like Christ loves the church, and they begin to just barely put themselves under rank as they grow in their walk with the Lord. Even if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, men, as that lady, as your bride, is growing in her walk with the Lord, and she's elevating her walk with the Lord, it's pushing you up, which is why we like to say mutual submission. It's just a beautiful picture of both of you growing in your walk with the Lord. And although that husband can, can pull his wife up if need be, um, it's a whole lot easier to push your spouse in the right direction than to try to pull them in the right direction. Well, I know that a lot of you might have come to um, this weekend expecting four ways to get the spouse that you want, six ways to get your husband to be the man that you want him to be, 10 ways to change your wife for the glory of God. And uh, we just didn't do that. For those that were with us this weekend, they would tell you that that's not what Keith and Jackie did. They actually went to Revelations 19 verse 7 and worked their way all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and then filled in a whole bunch of blanks in between uh, about what God says about marriage. But this morning I've decided that we would end our time together by me actually giving you six things. So if you want six things and you want to take some notes, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, and get ready. i got to change some light bulbs here real quick. No, I'm kidding. This is part of it. I'm not changing any light bulbs. So for those of you that that want your list, you're about to get your list. Here's the thing about marriage. Jackie and I have been married for 22 years. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. I was a youth pastor for 21 years. That was tough. Uh, I've been a parent for 19 years, and that was tough. But the hardest thing that I've ever done is be a husband. This idea of becoming one flesh and doing marriage in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies, and loving my wife the way that Christ loved the church has been a difficult journey. Anybody relate to that? Anybody in the room been married more than 40 years? Keep your hands up. Anybody been married more than 50 years? Keep your hands up. Anybody married more than 60 years? Okay, 65 years? Okay, we have two couples at least. I may have missed some that's been married at least 60 years. So I'm going to shut up and sit down and y'all come up and (laughs) give give these six things and uh, I'm sure it'll be a whole lot better. But in 22 years, I've realized marriage is tough. It really is. But if we do it God's way, Jimmy Evans says it this way. Jimmy Evans is one of Jackie and I's marriage mentors. Jimmy Evans says this. Marriage done God's way has a 100% success rate every time. Every time. You do marriage God's way. You'll be successful in your marriage. But the first thing I want to share with you today, uh, if you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, because marriage is not a golden elevator. There is no elevator to the top. Nobody ever arrives and says, I've got it figured out. There's some things we've got to do. The first thing we've got to do is humble ourselves, right? Humility. Where do we find this? Well, we find it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on a heart of humility. Put on a heart of humility. You want to get rid of all those marriage killers in your life? Put on a heart of humility. Another way you could say it is service. You, when you humble yourself, you serve. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, but I need more grace today than I even needed it yesterday. Not just from the Lord, but from Jackie. Uh, One of the pastors at my church, Pastor Nick, says this. Every day we have the opportunity to stay low. To stay low. Another way that you could say that is become a feet washer. That's what Jesus did. The way I remind myself of that every day is to just kind of as I'm driving to work every morning as I I pray. I share with the group this weekend. I'm very uh, routine in my walk with Christ and really everything that I do. And so I have these certain prayers that I pray every day. And one of the things that I pray as I'm on my way to work is, Jesus, help me take the towel today. Help me choose the towel today. And what I'm really praying is make me a feet washer today. Make me a foot washer today. Because my spirit and everything about me is going to fight against that. I'm going to want to have my way do things my way think that i'm right but jesus modeled this perfectly for us this idea of humility and being humble ephesians 5:21 and be subject to one another in the fear of christ ephesians 4:26 be angry and yet do not sin do not let the sin do not let the sun go down on your anger so number one, humility, be humble, stay humble. Number two, um, I'm not sure your marriage can even survive without this, and that's a pretty big statement, but uh, I'm, I mean that. I, I don't know that your marriage can survive if you are not willing to forgive. Forgiveness is going to be a major key, a major step in the right direction on this thing called marriage, and it's a climb. You know, a lot of people are like, eh, that ladder's pretty cute, but I've been married 65 years. It's a mountain. <laughs> you know, like, it's a, it's much more than climbing a six-rung uh, ladder. And it is, but I couldn't put a mountain on the stage this morning, uh, so we, we we went with a ladder. But if, if we have to forgive. Jackie has to forgive me every day. I have to forgive her at least once a week. She has to forgive me 100 times every day. I'm sure all the other men in the room feel that way. But we have to forgive one another. Another passage of scripture that I wrote down here is Ephesians four twenty nine through 32. Uh, and there's a whole lot here more than forgiveness. But I want to read it. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Okay, put that through the marriage filter. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Sounds a whole lot like the list we read in Colossians chapter 3. And I shared this with the people this weekend. Uh, two of the most powerful words in the English language are... I'm sorry. It's hard to say those two words. They don't taste real good all the time. But it's important that we learn how to say them and say them quickly. But just as powerful as those two words, I believe the three words, I forgive you, are just as important. And again, I know we struggle with that, but Jesus gave us a great example of that in his own self, in his own life, uh, because he forgives us. And it's very difficult for us to even wrap our minds around his forgiveness Past sin, present sin, future sin, washes us as though we've never sinned, cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, and then we're called to forgive the way that he forgives. Number three, this one might be a little bit easier uh, than forgiveness, but still, uh, it's a challenge, and that's when we're being called to be kind and compassionate. Kind and compassionate. Compassionate. We also find this in Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Put on a heart of compassion and kindness. Ephesians 4:32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ forgave you. I believe we should treat our spouse better than anyone else on the planet. But if we're honest, we don't. We say things to our spouse that we would not say to coworkers. We say things to our spouse we would never say to a neighbor or a friend. Uh, and I, and Jackie calls me out on it. Does anybody else? Now, don't don't testify. Does anybody else's spouse call them out on it? Jackie Jackie will like tell me. She's like, you wouldn't speak to your best friend like that. And I'm like, but you're my best friend, <laughs> you know. And uh, you wouldn't speak to your boss that way. You wouldn't speak to the people at the church who work for you that way. And you know what? She's right. I wouldn't. So I'm saying we ought to treat our spouse better than anybody else, and the words that come out of our mouth ought to be proof of that. I'm going to quickly give you the definitions of this, because I think that not all of us know what it means. I think we just think it means smiling at them. Here's what kindness is. The quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Compassion literally means to suffer together. And compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to help. So, being friendly, generous, and considerate, wanting to be helpful in that marriage relationship. I don't want to challenge us this morning to commit to doing that. You would think that number four would be super obvious in the marriage, but as Jackie and I meet with couples all the time, we find out that it's not, and that is love. (laughs) Everybody would say that they love their spouse. Uh, But what if we had a hidden camera following you and your spouse around all week? Would the world say that you love your spouse? Colossians 3.14, again, all of these are coming from Colossians 3. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is unity. And it's the perfect bond of unity. Again, one of our other breakout sessions yesterday um, was called Love Is. And they broke down 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous, love does not brag, it is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account any wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Um, I love that they put these uh, flower arrangements in the windows because we can cheat. If we don't have that memorized, if we don't have 1 Corinthians 13, each one of these vases and these flower arrangements has a sign on it that tells us what love is. So if you need to cheat on your way out today, you can go and take a picture of each one of those and and be reminded this week of how we're supposed to be loving our spouse. But I want to share the fifth thing with you because we are running out of time. Patience. Anybody ever pray for Patience. (laughs) Ain't that fun? <laughs> well, pray for, pray for patience with your spouse. That's even more fun. Because you know what? Sometimes it takes a while for our spouse to become who God wants them to be. And I'm very strategic with my words there. Not who you want them to be, but who God wants them to be. Sometimes it takes a lot of patience for your spouse to become who God wants them to be. Colossians 3.12, put on a heart of patience. And it also comes from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, the love chapter. Love is patient. Patience is being able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or sufferings, listen to this, without becoming annoyed. (laughs) Anybody's spouse ever annoy them? We're supposed to be patient without being annoyed. Jackie says I annoy her all the time. Um, But I'm working hard at it. I'm working hard at it. Now, the top of the ladder here, the last point that I'll share, and I promise we're done, uh, does not come from Colossians chapter 3, but I don't think that Colossians chapter 3 is possible without this, and this is kind of how we ended our time, well, we kind of began our time yesterday with it, and it's pray. Um, Now, I believe that prayer could easily be the top rung And it could also be the bottom rung here. I also believe that humility could be the bottom and the top. Because I really believe that if we're praying and we're humble, a lot of this stuff in between will begin to become more natural as the Holy Spirit does a work in us. But here's why I think prayer is so important. And I did share this at at the conference. Other than Miles Harmon, the little boy that we adopted from Ethiopia, nothing has affected Jackie and I's marriage more than prayer. As Jackie and I began praying together, I mean really praying together and praying prayers of blessing over one another out loud every day where the other person could hear the person, it has, it has bound our hearts together. Um, it just does something when your spouse hears you talking to Jesus on their behalf. It's hard to explain unless you do it. And I did challenge everyone this weekend to begin to do that if they're not doing it, even if it's a sentence prayer Dear Jesus, would you watch over Jackie today as she goes to work? Amen. Jackie would pray a prayer. Dear Jesus, would you keep Keith safe as he's on the roads today, driving here and there, meeting with men, um, trying to be about your business? In Jesus' name, amen. For people who have never prayed for their spouses, sometimes you have to start with just a sentence or two to be able to do that. But here's what James 5.16 says. Therefore, confess your sins one to another Pray for one another that you may be healed. If you would say this morning that your marriage needs heal, needs healed, let's start with prayer. And in just a minute, we're going to have the opportunity to do that. Uh, we're going to open up the, the front of the, the room here and, and turn these uh, stairs into an altar. And I do want to challenge you if you're here today, maybe you've never prayed with your spouse, um, let today be the first day. Come forward together during uh, this time that we'll be singing with Nick here. and um, just If you don't even know what to pray, just say, Dear Jesus, would you begin to do in our marriage what only you can do? Lord Jesus, today we give our marriage back to you. Maybe at one time you did and then you kind of feel like you took it back and put it in your own pockets and you've been trying to do it your way. Would today you just pray with your spouse and, and say, Today we do, we want to begin to do marriage again your way but maybe you're here today and all of this sounds good and you're like but Keith you keep saying you know the Holy Spirit inside of us is what allows this to happen and Keith I'm not even sure that I have the Holy Spirit inside of me I'm I don't know that there's ever been a time where I have said yes to the free gift of eternal life I don't know that there's been a time where I realized I was a sinner in need of a Savior and I've never said yes to Jesus for the very first time Pastor James will be up here at the front, and if you want to talk to him about that or uh, talk to someone else about that, I know that there are men and women in this room who would love nothing more than to tell you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Because you can try real hard and you can make this climb, but without a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. What matters is the Revelations 19, verse 7 marriage. One day when we, each one of us, will stand before the bridegroom and give an account for what we did with Jesus. What you do with your spouse matters, but what you do with Jesus matters a whole lot more. So as we begin to sing, if you and your spouse, y'all can stand if you want to. As we begin to sing, if you would like to come and pray with your spouse or maybe an older couple in the room, grab a younger couple in the room and come forward with them and pray a prayer of blessing over them. And again, Pastor James will be here if anybody wants to pray with the pastor. talk more about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Let's sing.